Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. The master key to living and in accessing God's favor and, and power is holiness. And uh, actually, I was watching your, your uncle, who's also my uh, one of my mentors, evangelist Tip Shuttlesworth, and yes. he talks about the master key. And he, he starts referring to how a building, a commercial building in particular, can have many rooms and many different offices, and every office has its own set key. And every key is very unique. But the custodian of the building, oftentimes a janitor or someone who's going to be doing cleanup, they have something called a master key. And this master key allows the custodian to enter into every room, regardless of the unique specialization of the door's key, the master key is able to unlock it. And in the word of God, Jesus actually says, and I believe it's in Luke chapter 8, Uh, Luke chapter 12, rather, that in the word of God, there are many keys. He says to the Pharisees, you have robbed the people of the key of knowledge. You Mm. yourselves don't enter in and you rob others who desire to enter in from entering in because you've taken away the key. So the Bible and specifically the kingdom of God is accessible by keys. And when we're talking about keys today, we're not talking about, you know, a male key, an actual physical key or something like that, or some weird thing like blowing a shofar or, you know, (laughs) uh, waving a flag. Those are all, uh, honestly, they're just weird things that people have adapted into their own religiosity to appease their religious bones, but it actually does nothing. It actually... Uh, scripturally does not have much impact but there are things that the bible lists out it says if you'll use this key you can access x y and z i've written down a few you know the key of prayer prayer is a key prayer the bible says call unto me and i will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not of prayer is a key that accesses god's power however even prayer has limitations prayer is limited by faith James 1 says that if you pray but you don't have faith, you ought not to expect to receive anything from the Lord. Prayer is limited by holiness. Psalm 66, 18 says if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord would not hear you. You have the key of faith. Faith is a key. But even faith has its limitations. Faith is limited by love. Faith worketh by love. If you don't have love, faith don't work. Faith is limited by your knowledge of the word of God. If you don't have a knowledge of God's word, faith is limited because faith begins where the word of God is known. So faith, though it be a key, it has limitations. Giving is a key, but it has limitations. You have to give with love, 1 Corinthians 13. If you're you're giving just, you know, improper motives, it doesn't do you anything. You have to give with faith. You have to put an expectation. So these are wonderful keys that access amazing things listed out in God's word. But they have limitations, but there's one key that has no limits. And that is holiness. Mm. It's holiness. Holiness, the Bible says, without it, nobody can see the Lord. Nobody can see, not just see the Lord physically with their eyes, you know, when they make heaven. Nobody will even see God at work in their lives on the earth without this thing in place. Listen to me very clearly. If victorious Christian living is your objective and your goal, then holiness must be in place. Evangelist Preston, 
I, I'd yep. love to hear and pick your brain and hear your thoughts on everything. Absolutely. I mean, this uh, this topic that we've chosen for today was spurred on because, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but those that have Instagram that are on the comments or you just see preaching. And, and when you hear the preaching, it's, you know, it's not said in like an evil way, but just something in your spirit just like not jiving as an American from the 70s would say. I don't know why I just use that word, but <laughs> something about what the preacher is saying is just not connecting with connecting. That's a better word with your spirit. It's just like there's something off. And what we deal with in modern Christianity and culture and people is something called the grace message or really a sloppy grace message. Because right. I'm not an anti-grace preacher. I just understand, and so does TJ, what grace actually is. That's right. That's right. Grace is not the license to do whatever you want and say, well, I'm, gonna I'm holy because of God's grace. No. Grace is the empowerment that God gives to the believer to live in complete victory and dominion over the power of sin, death, hell, and the grave. And so this uh, topic for today was spurred on by seeing preachers that, you know, the, be the beginning part of what they say is good. You know, Jesus loved the world. God so loved the world. You know, people say, how can you preach like this and be hateful? It's not hateful preaching. And they're like, well, John 3.16 says that God, for God so loved the world. Yeah, but how did God? Here's the thing that I think evangelist TJ, people don't understand about holiness, righteous living, maintaining that walk as a believer. How did God? express grace and love to the world. I'll tell you how he did it, by sending Jesus. That's how he expressed his grace. Jesus, by dying on the cross, that was the expression, the purest, most pure expression of love and grace. But here's the thing. If you don't accept that sacrifice and then accept that grace and that forgiveness, which was not merited, which was not merited. I'm not preaching a, a works-based salvation, neither is TJ. But what we're preaching is that once you receive the unmerited grace of God, which is the blood of Jesus, now there is a course of action. Now there are principles and rules in place that God establishes, not a preacher, not, not Evangelist TJ, not me, not Billy Graham, not any preacher that's ever lived. We don't establish them. The job of a preacher, the job of what we're doing right now is just to communicate what God has already said to the people, the church. And so it's not anti-love, it's not anti-grace, it's the word. It's the word. Build your life upon the word. Don't build your life upon some sloppy grace message that will send you straight to hell. You know, people preach, TJ, Evangelist TJ, and they think they're loving people. Let me tell you something, they're going to love people right to hell. Love people right to hell. Saying things like, well, whether if you leave this conference and you live for God and you live holy... Whether you do awful things and you, you kill someone in, on the way home tonight and you uh, have an adulterous relationship on your way home from this conference, God loves you. Everything's going to be okay. No, it's not going to be okay. And they'll have to answer to God as to why there's people burning in hell because they wouldn't tell them the truth of God's word, which is exactly what we're talking about, that you must be holy even as God is holy. You must be holy. You must be holy. And I want to read out of the Bible because I'm not blowing smoke. Either, neither is Evangelist TJ. This is not an opinion. This is God's word. That's, right. That's what a preacher does. That's what ministers do. That's what an evangelist does. An evangelist shouldn't come to your city or your town. And then you leave the service saying, well, I liked what he said. You know, my grandfather, who was a great preacher, great man of God, he said this. When you preach, people should either feel, one, convicted of their sin, or two, uh, encouraged by their faith that you stirred the gift of faith in them. If neither of those two things happened, you sucked. 
as a preacher? Conviction of sin or the increase of faith? That's what it is. That's what preaching is. And so I'll show you this from the Bible because we're not blowing smoke. It's not a side issue. Holiness is not an extra thing. It's the master key. It's the thing that unlocks everything else that God has promised. So let's read out of John 14. You know, people will read the words of Christ and they don't, under, they don't even know Jesus, I'm, I promise. Because read what Jesus said in John 14, verse 15. He said this, if you love me, you know, I liked what you were saying. It was powerful about how uh, you said faith is limited by love, correct? I don't want to miss you. And so here, here's love. Here's biblical love. Here's real love, not this fake worldly love that has no sacrifice and lets people do whatever they want. Here's God's love in John 14, verse 15. If you love me. So it's conditional. So I'll just pause there. I'll read the rest. But people say this, TJ, Evangelist TJ, they'll say God's love is unconditional. How many know God's love is unconditional? No, it's not. God's love is not unconditional. God's love is conditional. You know why? Because Jesus met every condition. What does that mean? Jesus came, lived a sinless life. I mean, it just gets me stirred up because why would Jesus have to come to the earth and live a sinless life if it, wasn't, if it didn't matter to God? Well, God's grace, bro. What if Jesus lived that way? What if Jesus conducted himself like many grace preachers conduct themselves? I'll tell you what would happen. We'd be on our way to hell. We'd be on our way to hell. What if Jesus was like your celebrity pastor that you listen to that's had three different affairs and bought a Lamborghini for the last one to make up for it because he's living in sin and can't control his desires or his lust. We'd be burning in hell. We'd be on our way to hell. You know why? Because God's love is not unconditional. It's conditional based upon whether or not you accept the sacrifice of Christ. Well, you know, the Bible said God's not willing that any should perish. No, he's not. He wants everyone to come to repentance, but you have to accept what Jesus did. Otherwise, you will go to hell. You will go to hell if you don't accept Jesus into your heart as Lord and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. You, you, will, you will go to hell. That's preaching. I know people don't preach on heaven or hell anymore. I know we just preach on five steps to a cleaner kitchen or a better marriage or how to be a better businessman or give you principles about life, give you philosophy. But that's not preaching. That's not preaching. Preaching draws the line in the sand and says, this is good, this is evil, this is life, this is death. God said to the people of Israel in the Old Testament, he said, I've set before you life and death. I would rather that you, what? Choose life. Choose life that you might live, you and all your households. So you got to choose it. God's not, God's not a rapist. You know what that means? God's a gentleman. God is not going to force his will on anybody. God's not going to force his way upon any person. God says, I'll, I'll present you to the truth. I'll send you a preacher. I'll send you evangelist TJ. I'll send you a, a pastor. I'll send you someone that will speak the truth in love. But if you reject it, you'll go to hell. Well, they're going to be fine. No, they're not. People are on their way to hell. People are on their way to hell. And it's our job as ministers with everything that we have, every mean, every, every uh, way, every method, every Skype, Facebook, Instagram, in-person preaching, preach on the street. It's our job to cling to people and convince them, don't go to hell. Don't choose evil. Choose a life of holiness, grace, and love and power that is produced by the blood of Jesus. That's what the preaching of the gospel is. 
That's what the preaching of the gospel is. And it's not love and grace to preach something and people remain the same way that they've always been. That's not love and that's not grace. That's not love and that's not grace. Love and grace is being anointed by the Holy Ghost to bring a message that will call people out of darkness and into the marvelous light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's love and that's grace. So don't get that mixed up. This generation, younger Christians, this whole greasy grace movement, it gets it all twisted up and they build large churches. Don't get me wrong. Well, they're, they're successful. They, might be, they must be doing something right. They have excellent systems. They have great children's church programs. They have every uh, technology available. They use it well. Man, they're masters at social media. Man, they know how to go viral. They know how to itch people's ears. They know how to do everything right in the natural, but they don't carry any power to set anybody free. People come bound and leave bound. People come blind and leave blind. People come and sin and leave in sin. Why? Because you have to draw the line in the sand and preach the word. I said preach the word. You shall know what? The truth, and it shall set you free. Not greasy grace, and I'll keep using that term, not sloppy messages about love that aren't love. That doesn't set people free. Worship music doesn't set people free. Emotion doesn't set people free. Hype and relevancy don't set people free. Love and truth, truth, truth will set people free. What is truth? Truth is the word of God. So let's, let's keep reading. Verse 15 of John 14. Sorry, went a little a rant there, but let's read John 14, 15. If you love me, this is Jesus Christ speaking. I would say he was a pretty good expert on the gospel, by the way. You know, I would say that Jesus understood the gospel message. He was the word made flesh that dwelt amongst men. So I would say that he knew the Bible pretty well. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. Other translations would say, if you love me, you will keep my word. You will keep my word if you love me. Well, God's love's not conditional, bro. It's unconditional, bro. It's reckless. It's chasing us down. It's forcing its way. No, it's not. It is not. God's not a creep. Hear me? Put that in the comments. God is not a creep. God is a gentleman. God is holy. Hear me? God's a gentleman. God is holy. God is, is love. That is love. Read, we can go to 1 John 4 after this if you want to find out what love really is as well. But let's read this. If you keep my commandments, verse 16, and I will ask. So Jesus will ask. So this is the thing. People pray so terribly because they pray and they pray to Jesus. You don't pray to Jesus. You know, I saw, I saw um, this guy on Twitter, TJ, Evangelist TJ. Sorry, I keep calling you TJ. But I saw this guy on Twitter. He's like, dear Jesus, we just pray for this. No, we don't pray to Jesus. We don't pray to Jesus. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Ghost, it's, it's the Trinity in work, in action. We pray to the Father by the power of the Holy Ghost in the mighty name of Jesus. So let's keep reading. I will ask the Father, Jesus, he mediates our prayers, and he will give you another helper, capital H. So it's important. Who's the helper? The helper is the Holy Spirit. The helper is the Holy Spirit. You can put that in the comments. My helper is the Holy Spirit. To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. So there he reveals who the helper is, the spirit of truth. I love this, man. This is powerful. This is so powerful. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive. Well, you know, whatever happens, bro, whatever we preach, whatever we do, God loves everybody. Why? 
If God loves everybody, why will people be burning in hell? I don't understand how people have this logic in their brain. God loves everybody. God loves everybody. Then how come people will be in hell and some other people will be in heaven? You know, there's a great song I've been listening to a lot. It's that Johnny Cash song, The Man Comes Around. And I love that lyric. He said, everybody won't be treated all the same. Everybody won't be treated all the same. What does that mean? There is a difference. If there wasn't a difference, what's the point of maintaining this lifestyle that we're talking about of holiness? There's no use. It's pointless. There's no point. God's like, okay, I'm going to give you all these rules, but they're optional. I'm going to give you all these things you have to do, but they're optional. They're not optional. God's word is not optional. There's a man going around taking names. He decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. Why does Johnny Cash have better doctrine than preachers on Instagram? It's unreal. It's unreal to me. <laughs> Let's keep reading. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. So what's the preacher's job? To show Christ to the world. And we don't show him to the world by flag waving. He doesn't show to us. He don't, we don't show Jesus to the world by prophetic paintings. We don't, show the, we don't show Jesus to the world by poetry or some weird thing or some paint. No. How do we show Jesus to the world? By his word. By his word. That's what sets people free. That's what makes the difference in the world that we live in. The word of almighty God. Why is that preacher not anointed? I'll tell you why. Because God only anoints his word. God anoints his word, not your opinion. Not your little thought that you had because you're so emotional. You don't even want to get into the actual truth of the gospel. God, God's not going to bless a message about coping with mental health problems. You hear me? God, God doesn't bless message about coping. Well, we just feel this way. God's not going to bless your psych, psychiatric message about how we need... We need a philosophy, bro. We just need love. We just need love. You're not giving them love. You're giving them a false hope that will send them to hell. Live holy. You hear me? Live holy. Live holy. That's right. And we'll, we'll finish this in a second. Sorry, I'm just taking a little while, but I'll throw it back to you. You know him. For, for You know him how? For he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Why? Because I live. You also will live. I love this. This is so powerful. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. God loves everybody. God loves Bill Maher just as much as he loved Billy Graham. Oh, yeah? We'll see about that on Judgment Day. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So I finished it. Sorry. <laughs> Throw it back to you. I, I love what you're saying because a lot of people have this misconstrued idea of what love is. And they think that love is approval and acceptance of one's uh, lifestyle and and habitual sin regardless of what it is that you know the gospel was God pretty much throwing us a comforter and a mattress into our prison cell of sin and <laughs> saying hey just stay comfortable until I come you don't have to do much about it but in reality James 1 James chapter 5 verse 19 and 20 tells us what real love is 
You know, loving your neighbor is not just providing for them whatever necessities they need. You know, like the right. Samaritan, the good Samaritan, he provided his, uh, the necessary treatments for his his wounds and his bruises. It's not just providing on a physical level. Love, according to James, who, by the way, this is Jesus's half-brother speaking years after yeah. Jesus raises from the dead. And this is what he said. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back. So who are we talking about here? James is not talking about people that are living straight. He's talking about people that have turned away from the truth. People that have rejected yeah. holiness. Which, by the way, holiness is a universal call for everyone that calls on the name of Jesus. It is not specific right. to the pastor and evangelist and people that are called to the fivefold ministry. Well, that's why they don't watch movies like that. They're in the ministry. No. I don't watch movies like that because I'm a Christian. The Bible says the solid foundation stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It doesn't say let everyone that is called to the fivefold ministry. It doesn't say let everyone who grew up in a pastor's home. It says let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. In 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4, Paul tells the Thessalonians, he says, God has called you not to uncleanness, but unto holiness. God has called you to holiness. I want you to write that down in the comment section. God has called me to holiness. God has called That's you right. to holiness. And remember in Zechariah 7.13, God actually rebukes the Israelites because he said, just as I have called, God's called you to holiness, but he says, just as I have called and you refuse to listen or hearken unto me, so you will call to me and I will not hear you. One of the, you know, you want to talk about motivational factors to live a holy lifestyle? You know, human nature, God knows human nature, and God understands that humans need motivation. Humans need reward, a reward-based system for them to actually want to do something. You know that there are rewards to holiness? Do you understand that there are also consequences for unholiness or disobedience? The Bible says that in Isaiah 59... Is, not, is the arm of the Lord short that it can't save? Is his ear deaf that he cannot hear? No, but he says, your own sins have separated you from God. And then he tells them, and he admonishes them to clean up their act. That's why in James 4, uh, the Bible says that we are to what? Draw near to God and God will draw near to us. How do you draw near to God? Well, God, God is holy for you to draw near to him. You also must be holy in all your conduct. And then only when you've drawn near to God can you actually resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the consequence of not living a holy life, it's a risk. Because when you don't live holy, the Bible says you're no longer dwelling under the shelter of the Almighty and you're open prayer for the enemy to come in and do whatever he wants to do. Because you're, when you don't live holy, you are dwelling in darkness and Satan is the prince of darkness and he can operate in your life as long as you dwell in darkness he can operate in your life unhindered yeah. unhindered and that's why Psalm 91 says he that dwells in the shelter of the almighty will, will abide under the shadow the protective barriers of God Almighty. That's why David was confident to say, he's my fortress. Why? Because if you read Psalm 101, he says, I'm not going to set anything wicked before my eyes. 
And him that works evil in the land, I will cut off from my life. He says, I will behave. I will. You read Psalm 101 and you take note, highlight. Every time David says, I will, I will, I will. Not I'll try. Not, you know, God give me strength. No, I will. I'm setting my will. Like Evangelist Preston said, I have set before thee life and death, blessings and cursings. Oh, that you would what? Choose life that both you and your descendants might live. So sidetrack, but what I was getting into in James chapter five, verse 19, uh, the whole topic of holiness has become unpopular in today's modern, a lot of modern churches, especially those woke churches, because they think it's going to actually throw people away. That it's actually going to be a repellent for the gospel. But in reality, and that it's not loving to call out sin when sin is being done. I mean, if it wasn't loving, then John the Baptist was a, was a really bad preacher. Because John the Baptist called out Herod's sin straight up. Didn't tolerate it. Called him out publicly and openly. We need prophets of God to rise up again and call sin, sin. And call evil, evil. Because one of the dangers of the end times, Isaiah 5 says, is that there will be people that call good evil and evil good. And that's why we, the salt of the earth, are here to act as a compass, to show you. No, it doesn't matter what they're calling it. Paul said in the last days there will be men who will heap up for themselves teachers according to their own desires to scratch their itching ears. If there was ever a time that we needed a church that was pure and holy, without spot, without blemish, walking on the pavement of holiness, in the highway of holiness, it's here and it's now. Yes. This is what James says. If anyone sees a person, a brother, wander from the truth and you turn him back, let that person know, the one who God used to turn that man back, who preached, hey, what you're doing is wrong, and I love you, brother, and this is why I'm telling you, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save that soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And if you read in the book of Proverbs, what covers a multitude of sins? Love covers a multitude of sins so james is actually saying it's unloving to not tell someone they're in sin it's unloving to tell someone that it's okay to live however you want to live like that uh, preacher evangelist preston was talking about in his little ted talk that he was giving he starts talking about how you know it doesn't matter if you leave this place tonight and you go out in sin or if you go and live good god loves you all the same you are literally setting that person up for disaster and you're going to stand on judgment day when that guy's lined up for the line of judgment oh it's so bad and he yells at you and says why didn't you tell me why wouldn't you tell me everybody's offend uh, afraid of offending everyone but god yeah so terrible evangelist go on it's i know you it's so bad it's so bad it's so bad. Why? I don't hear any grace in his voice. Listen, it's not about grace. It's, it's not grace at all. People will go to hell because of it. That's why it stirs our spirit. It doesn't stir our spirit because we want to be critical about people and be jerks. It stirs our spirit because people will go to hell because right. people preach like that. I care about that. I care about that. Evangelist TJ cares about that. You know why? Because we're Christians. 
I don't want people to go to hell. Neither does God. But there are things in place. There are rules to obey, commandments to obey. I know people say, well, the problem with this kind of message is that people won't receive it. You know, Christians might like it. They might hoop and holler at your preaching. But, you know, someone that's unsaved, they'll reject it because they hate that. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you a story. Because I was in New Hampshire this past week. I was telling Evangelist TJ before we came on here. There was a girl that came on the first night of camp. It was a Sunday night. She came with a girlfriend, not in person with her, but was dating a girl in a homosexual relationship. I preached on sin hard, in holiness hard that night. Preached on the blood of Jesus hard that night, that first night. She repented of sin on the first night, answered the altar call to repent of sin, gave her life to Jesus. And then that very night afterwards, called up her girlfriend and broke up with her. Said, I can't be with you anymore. Said, I can't, I can't live this lifestyle anymore. Next day, Monday night, gets baptized in the fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Speaking in tongues, full of the fire of God. The, f- by the end of the week, the final night, she answers the altar call to go into full-time ministry and preach the gospel, be an evangelist, she told me. is going to go to RTBI in Pittsburgh, where my cousin, Evangelist Jonathan, starting a school this fall. Are you going to tell me that th- that doesn't matter, her life doesn't matter? That if I came in there and just preached grace, the whole week and she left a lesbian and left on her way to hell. That's love. That's not love. I said, it's not love. Love is the truth preached according to the word of God. That's what, that's what changes people. I don't want to be known as a critical preacher. That's just a jerk and hates everybody's preaching. I love the power of God. I love, I love Holy ghost and fire preaching. That's given under the unction of the Holy ghost. That's what sets people free. That's what changed my family's life. That's what changed my grandfather's life. You know, my grandfather, you might know my family, the Shuttlesworth, my cousins, my uncles. I'm sure Avengers TJ's mentioned many of them on his broadcasts and things like that. My grandfather was a 17-year-old kid on the, in West Virginia, drunk on the side of the street from the party he went to the night before. And his friend came up to him and invited him to church. He went to church and then repented of sin and 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 never tasted alcohol again never lived that lifestyle again became a preacher and then from then on met my grandma everything everything god set in line down the generations they preached over 50 years my my grandparents did had four boys all of them preachers all of their children my my uncles my father every single person preaching the gospel in full time ministry but it wasn't because his friend came up to him and said you know you know bro I know that you're hungover. Listen, you don't have to give that up to serve God. Just come. No. Why? What, what are we building in church? What are we building? Why? Are, we sold tickets to the event. We sold 5,000 tickets. Whoopty freaking do, bro. What happened in the camp? What happened in the conference? Well, people were encouraged. People learned things. That's great. All of it's great. But was anybody healed? Was anybody truly saved and discipled? Was anyone truly set free from porn addiction or depression or anxiety medication? Or was it just a nice little thing that we did where everyone came together and around a campfire joined hands and sang Kumbaya for three hours? I don't want to do it, Evangelist TJ. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of the life and the power of God, which is produced by his word. That's what sets people free. That's what sets people free. And so we need that.
You're you're muted, TJ. They're saying. Oh. Sorry about that. The reason why uh, the reason why I, I I keep quoting about the highway of holiness and you know there's a difference between a highway. I guess I'll say it differently now. There's a difference between a highway and a, a road that's paved with thorns and thistles. You know the Bible says that in the way of the perverse. And uh, the perverse in the actual Hebrew is actually just a, uh, an alternative word for sin. In the way of sin is thorns and thistles. But he that keeps his way, his heart, will guard his life from them. So you have a decision to make. You could either follow the path of sin, which the Bible says is paved with thorns and thistles. It might yield to you a season of pleasure. The Bible says there is a season of pleasure in sin. You know, there's, there's a, a, a passing, fleeting, temporal pleasure in sin. That first time you got high, you had a good time. But now you're hooked on it and you're messed up. That's why drug dealers will actually say the first one's free. First one's on me. Because they know the first time what might, it might feel good. But if they get you hooked, you ask someone who's 15 years on meth. You know, Evangelist Preston's testimony was phenomenal of what, what God did in that, that lady's life. You know, we were doing a, 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 a meeting out in Edmonton, Alberta, and something very different sin, but similar, similar uh, transformation happened. The guy was hooked on meth, hooked on meth, out in Edmonton, Alberta. And power of God hit him because I didn't preach this soft little message of, you know, it doesn't matter if... You call your sin drugs, or if you call your sin homosexuality, or all is sin, and it's all in the same. No, we, you know that the Bible says there are things that are actually an abomination to God? There are things that are actually, not all sin is equal. And I know a lot of people have never heard of that, but it's true. Not all sin is equal. If it were true, why are the penalties for, for even in the natural justice system, different? Even natural men understands that there's a difference between a man who, you know, stole a candy out of a grocery store and then someone who robs a bank, they don't get dealt with the same way. And you know that there's actually going to be, and I've talked on this one preaching on hell, there's actually going to be levels in hell. The Bible says, he who knew what to do and did not do it, he shall be, he shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who knew not what to do and still didn't do it will be beaten with few stripes. They're go both going to be in hell, but there's going to be levels of torment and torture within hell because God himself does not consider all sin. All sin will separate you from God. All sin will send you to hell if not repented from, which by the way, that's important to note because the Bible makes it very clear. The only type of sin that God forgives is sin that you have repented of. That's truth. That's the truth. only type of sin that God forgives is sin that you have repented of. I put a video, Evangelist Preston, I put a video on TikTok that said this a couple of months ago, and you'd be surprised, not the world. The world loves, like, you know, when we preach gospel crusades, the world loves it. They're the ones that come in. Jesus, who did he attract? He attracted two types of people, the world and sinners that feasted with him and, and wanted what he had, and he, they got converted. Mary Magdalene, out of whom were cast out seven demons, became a mighty minister of the gospel. And then the religious flies who came to criticize Jesus. And that's exactly what that post did. It drew out all the religious flies. They came out, uh, you're preaching a doctrine of works. You're preaching 
that uh, grace is irrelevant. Uh, repent. I kid you not, Evangelist Preston. Someone wrote, repentance is not necessary, just grace through faith. And I actually, I want to I wanna do this now. I'm going to do this now. Because I wrote down, I took like, I don't know how, a couple of, maybe half an hour, an hour. And I went through every passage in the scripture that I knew from memory that talks about the necessity of repentance. Because people need to know this. They think that repentance is something, preaching repentance is something that a few preachers out in the 1960s that popped up tents across America just come out, came out with uh, because it was popular at that time, but it's not popular anymore. No, repentance has its roots in biblical history. Just listen to this. This is I, I'm not going. I might not read them all because I wrote down 30 scriptures. But <laughs> I want I want to show you the biblical foundation for repentance, and that it's not just believe and be saved. It's repent and believed, and you shall be saved. So let me go through this. Mark 1, 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus, so John preached baptism of repentance. Now, Jesus comes to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and this was his message. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe so not just believe repent and believe acts 238 peter said to them repent and let everyone be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost acts 1730 truly these times of ignorance god has overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent acts 319 repent there it is again it's like the r word of the bible <laughs> repent therefore and be ye converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the lord which leads me to suggest that times of refreshing will not come from the presence of the Lord until you repent. Acts 22, 16. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Matthew 3, 8 through 11. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And don't think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Those were the hyper-grace people of Jesus' day. We're children of Abraham. We, we, we're, uh. we have Abraham as our father. We're of the lineage of Abraham. John replied and said, I say to you, God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. He can start brand new if he wanted to. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that does not bear the fruit of repentance is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize yeah. you with water unto repentance. Mark 9, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. I tell you the truth, Luke 13, 3, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Romans 5, but in accordance with your hardness and unrepented heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Romans 6, 18, and you've been set free from sin and have now become a slave of righteousness. Romans 11, well said, because of unbelief, you have been, they were broken off and you stand by faith. Don't be haughty, but fear. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell and did not repent, severity, but towards you, goodness, if indeed you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, never to be regretted. 
First Corinthians 15, 34, awake to righteousness and stop sinning. For some do not have the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame, he says. Galatians 5, the works of the flesh are evident. And he lists them all off. And I tell you again, as I've told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, I can go on. Let me go to my favorite one. Titus 1, 16. They profess to know God, but in their works, they deny him being abominable, right? disobedient, yeah. and disqualified yeah. for every good work. Yeah, it's the Bible. It's the Bible. People say, oh, I don't agree with that. Okay, then you're in disagreement with the Bible. That's right. You know, and someone, right. I just saw someone commented, I think it's a younger person, they said, I struggle with this message because I want to push Christ to people. Let me tell you something. Who do you think, let me ask you a question. Who do you think Christ is? <laughs> What are you pushing them to? I, I can't preach this way because I want to push people to Christ. Do you know Christ? That's right. That's right. Who is Christ? He was fully God, fully man, lived a sinless, blameless life. That's who Christ was. He was the word made flesh. Well, I want to push people to Christ. Christ is not Carl Lentz. You hear me? I'll, I'll say names if you want me to say names. Christ is not that message. That's not Christ. I don't know. I don't know how Carl Lentz fell into sin with that woman that wasn't his wife. That was his yoga instructor, or whatever. I'll tell you why. Because he preached crap. Right. That's why. Preach garbage. You'll go to you'll go to hell if you don't repent before God. That's right. I want to push people to Christ. Christ is not unconditional love. You know, people struggle with this evangelist TJ because they'll be like, you know, what do you mean God loves everybody? Oh yeah, no, he doesn't. God loves the righteous and he hates the wicked. That's right. Well, no, that can't be true because the Bible says, for God so loved the whole world. Yeah, but how did he love the world? How did God love the world? God loved the world by giving us Christ. That's how I, I mentioned that in the, in the beginning of the broadcast, but people don't get it in their head. Like, God loves everybody. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. God, God people don't like this message, I'm telling you. But God does not love everybody the same. His love is not unconditional. It's conditional. God's a cause and effect God. What does that mean? He will do something if we do something. It's called covenant relationship, partnership. Well, Abraham, whether you go from this, <laughs> no, Moses, Moses, whether you go from this burning bush and you continue in your awful yeah. ways, or whether you live for me and you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to use you to set my people free. Is that what God said? ridiculous man i can't even like understand how people think this way well joshua <laughs> this is making me laugh joshua joshua one whether or not you hearken to my word or not whether you do what i tell you to do or not you'll have success in all that you do no 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 it's not what god said god said if you hearken under my word you hear me in the comments if you hearken under my word if you let it be the constant meditation of your heart let it never Depart from your lips. We can read Joshua 1. We can read Psalm 1. We can read. I mean, he just gave you 50 scriptures about it. <laughs> People don't read the Bible. I'm convinced they don't read the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced of it. They listen to 30, min 30 minutes of some guy with distressed skinny jeans and a kith long tee and, you know, Yeezys and glasses without frames in a stupid haircut, and they think that's the gospel, their gospel intake for the week. You'll go to hell right. if you don't get that's under right. preaching that is the Bible. That's right. And you know, the amount of 
preachers that I've seen and, you know, I, I hear their Instagram clips or whatever. I hear their doctrine. People think that doctrine doesn't matter, that whatever you think about holiness or sin, it, it doesn't matter. Just love God. No, doctrine matters because what you believe will empower you to become what you believe. What you believe will set the pace as to what you become. What you believe will set the pace as to what you become. So if you believe, you know, how many of you know we all sin every day? How many of you know we'll never stop sinning? How many of you know, doesn't matter what I call my sinners, we're all sinners and we're all... Then you're, what do you think is going to happen? You will have what you say. Jesus said that. It's an irrefutable law of faith. It's in place and it's never going to be removed. The law of faith stands, whether you confess good or bad. So if you constantly confess that you're some old, dirty, wretched thing, and, you know, we sin every day, you're going to sin every day, you're going to sin all the time, and you're never going to break free from sin. Instead, line your confession up with the Word of God. Exactly And right. re reject doctrine like that. Reject. Don't listen to preachers. Evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth, your uncle, says this, and I love it. It's one of my favorite quotes. He says, any doctrine that makes you comfortable in sin is a doctrine birthed in hell and must be forcefully rejected. Yes. Any doctrine that makes you comfortable in sin is birthed in hell. Paul said in the last days, there'll be seducing spirits that will seduce you to what? Doctrines of demons so that you should believe the lie. And, 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 and when, you, when you start to believe those things about yourself, you start to become that. And that's where you see, what, what do you, I mean, look at the, generation of people bound to sin today it's because they've not been taught romans 6 you know what they focus romans 7 and they take it out of context and everybody i know many of you have read, read romans 7 romans 7 paul is speaking about his unredeemed state how he felt when he he had this war within himself he had the law he knew what the right thing to do was but then he said i have i had a member called sin in me that pushed me to do the wrong thing that's why when Jesus came, I'm convinced Paul knew that Jesus was the Christ for several, several, maybe years, I don't know. But I'm convinced Paul knew that Jesus was the Christ for quite a bit of time before he had an encounter at Damascus. And I think Romans 7 was that internal battle that he had. Because when Jesus appeared to Christ, remember what his first words were. Why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you fighting me? Right. Obviously that there was an internal fight within Paul. He was doing something. He was doing the evil in the flesh going around arresting Christians, putting them and committing them to prison for them to be executed. But obviously his conscience was somewhat telling him to not do it, but the, the member of sin in him pushed him to do it. And Romans 7 is him literally jotting down what, how he felt in that internal battle. And that's where people stick. They you know, Romans 7, you know, I, I know what to do is right, but I, the doing of the thing I don't do. Oh, who will free me from this body of death? Oh. Well, one day when we make heaven, as if death is your savior. Death is not the one that brought you salvation from sin. Jesus brought you salvation from sin. That's why, you know, when you read, especially Romans, but any book, chapters, verses are nice for reference sake, but read the book in its entirety because you're going to find out Romans 7 is oftentimes pulled out of context that in its actual context, Romans 6 talks about the believer's dominion over sin. Romans 7 talks about the unbelievers being dominated by sin. Romans 8 talks about the Holy Ghost being given to the believer to exercise the practical reality of our dominion over sin. Yeah. 
So Romans 6 needs to be taught again. And I know Evangelist Preston, you do it all the time, and I do it all the time. But And there's a lot of preachers that, that do preach Romans 6 in its proper context. And what's Romans 6? In a gist, sin no longer has dominion over you that you should obey it in its laws. You have dominion over sin. You don't, you don't have to sin. Write that in the comment section. I don't have to sin. I don't have to sin. And there's a lot of preachers that tell you the opposite. I mean, if you know, we're going to sin all the time. You don't, you don't have to. It's terrible. It's so Are you going to believe preacher X, Y, Z, whatever his name is, over what Paul said? Like Evangelist Preston said, I consider Jesus to be an expert in Christianity. I also consider Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, could be an expert yeah. in Christianity. You want to know what I love most about the writings of Paul? He doesn't write it as a book of promises. He doesn't say, hey, you can believe for dominion over sin. You can actually believe for that. The writings of Paul are written in legal format as a lawyer does when he's unraveling the will or the inheritance of someone. So he's not saying, hey, these are things you can believe for. He's saying, this is something that happened to you the moment you believed and joined the family of God. You know, when you have a, 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 a grandparent that dies or something, you go to the lawyer's uh, house, uh, the, the, the notary or whatever it is, where you unravel the will. And they start listing out things that belong to you. You don't have to believe for those things. You just take possession. It's yours. In the same vein, dominion over sin is not something you have to believe for. It's something you have to receive as your inheritance because you've joined the family of God. It's mine. If you get that switched in your noggin today, I'm telling you, you will not, you will not experience defeat in the area of sin. You'll have lasting victory over sin. Yeah, I'll give, you a, um, I'll give you one great quote for the comments. There is no saving Israel without drowning Egypt. That's good. There is no saving Israel without drowning That's Egypt. Good. That's good. So what does that mean? That means God can't save somebody by keeping attached to them the thing that would destroy them. God removes the thing that will destroy you so that he can save you. You hear that? God removes the thing that will destroy you. So in order that he might save you, you know, someone put it in the comments, God is love. Yes. But God is also what? Wrath. That's right. That's right. God is full of hate. I, I love this because people get so like their whole mentality switches up. God is full of hate. Hate for what? Hate for what is evil. God is full of love. Love. For what That's is right. good. That's right. God is full of hate, hate for what is evil. God is full of love, love for what is good. He said this, he said, For Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Well, God loves everybody, brother. No, he doesn't. He doesn't love everybody. He loves those that obey his word. And he expressed that love by sending the word. Jesus was the word, John 1 1. And so greasy grace preachers would say, and I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why God would kill Pharaoh's army and, and, and drown Pharaoh. You know, God's a grace God. You know, if, if they if they were to see that happen in modern day, they would call it a tragedy. Did you hear that that army that was like trying to kill Israel? They all died. Isn't that tragic? No, it's not. It might be to somebody that's not saved. You know, this this will make a lot of sense for people because you're like, why did God kill and instruct David to kill that entire tribe why did god instruct 
Goliath, not just to kill Goliath. He didn't just David just uh, David did not just kill Goliath. David killed every giant that was on the earth. Him and his mighty men did. Well, that's not love. Is that love to cut somebody's head off? It's not. I don't. I've never loved someone so hard that I murdered them. So it, this will help. This will open up the whole Bible to people, because you know why did God instruct um, Saul? To kill the women, kill the children. This is this is the truth. This is the Bible. Why did God instruct Saul to kill the women and the children, the animals, the men, the soldiers, everything? That was the instruction. God's love. I'll tell you why. Because that tribe, those people, descended from giant blood. There was unclean blood in them. Now, this is the story of the whole Bible. People don't even know, people don't even know what the Bible is. People don't understand it. Well, I just read from Matthew to Revelation, brother. Read the whole Bible. Read who God was. Read who God is. He doesn't change. Right. God's right. not a different God in the Old Testament than a different God in the New Testament. So this will help you make sense of things when you read in the Old Testament God doing all of these things that seem brutal. You just killed the entire race of those people. You killed that entire tribe. Yeah, you know why? Because they were wicked people. They were a wicked, they were a wicked race. Goliath, Goliath wasn't destined for heaven. You understand? Goliath wasn't going to be in heaven. So God is a God of love. I agree with you. I agree with that point. But he's also a God of wrath and holiness and justice. That's right. I mean, read Romans 9. It will make sense to you. And I'm not a Calvinist. I know Calvinists use Romans 9 as like they're, they're like end-all, be-all. But God will destroy vessels of wrath, and God will save those because they're vessels of grace. That's the truth. That's right. I mean, can, people can get tied up in knots about it, but God has been on a mission from the beginning of when sin entered the earth to have a pure line. You know, like we read, I'm, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, and I know we're going to wrap up fairly soon, but think of this, Noah, right? Noah in the Old Testament. The Bible says that Noah was a man that walked blameless before the Lord. You can, you can study that as a, as a scholar, and what it really meant was that his bloodline was pure. His family line was pure. And so God chose him, not because he was kind, not because he, he was a loving guy and he's a good guy. It wasn't just that. It was because his blood was pure. This is how God operates. And so he chose Noah to be the man that his descendants would live through after the flood. Why? Because he didn't have wicked blood in him. I mean, we can read, again, this this goes super deep, so I'm not going to get into everything, but you can read about fallen angels having children with the daughters of men and all that thing that came into the earth and God had to wipe it out. Why did God even send the flood? That's not love, is it? Is it love to drown people in the, in the ocean? <laughs> I've never been loving someone and I grabbed them by their head and put their head under the water till the bubble stopped. That's not, oh, God's love, bro. God's love. He loves those that are righteous. And we can only be made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we're righteous, made righteous by the blood of Jesus, and God will wipe out everybody else. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not trying to get into like super deep theology, but it's like people don't understand the Bible, evangelist TJ. Live holy. You know, I'll, I'll read this because I, I, I opened up to it. This is Paul again. We've been going to Paul and Jesus. Again, two, two experts on the Christian faith. <laughs> two experts. The finest of the finest preachers. Following Jesus. Verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9. For though I am free from all, 
I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. So what? So Paul's saying, like, when it comes to this grace, grace stuff, he's like, I'm not saying be harsh to people that are sinners and, and, and be a jerk and be like, well, you're going to hell. I, there's not, I got nothing for you. You're going to hell. I'm going to heaven. No, he said there's a way that you can share the gospel that is strong, but you don't become weak on anything. You don't have to have wine and women Wednesday Bible studies to reach people. There's no way. You don't have to have Bibles and bros Bible study. I mean, Bibles and beer for bros or whatever. You know, these crazy events that churches have to like bring the lost in. You know, why don't we just have children and crack Thursdays instead? Why don't we stop at alcohol? Well, alcohol is not that big of a sin, brother. Only Let me tell you something just while I'm, my blood pressure's up. It's a it's a sin to be under the influence of anything besides the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not right. It's not biblical. It's not holy. Anything that puts you under the influence where you can't maintain people are anything that puts you under the influence of something that you can't be yourself, you can't control your inhibitions. That's a sin. Weeds a sin. Any kind of drug or alcohol is a sin. And so. Paul is teaching here. He's not saying, he's not saying that, you know, to reach people, you got to be like them. A total idiot says that. Well, uh, to reach the lost, we got to be like the lost. You know, I don't go to bars to drink. I might have a beer and sit with someone and have a conversation about Christ, but I don't go to bars to drink. I just have a drink or two and witness to someone. I, I've heard these stories. I'm not, these are real stories I've heard. I just go to bars to witness to people. Let me tell you something. You're not going to bring them anything. You're not going to bring them anything. You're just making them more like they already are. You're making them more like they already are. That's what a lot of these modern preachers and modern worship groups and stuff, they do. The world accepts them because they're just like the world. Well, let's let's uh, tone it back. You know, Let's not have a dress code. Let's not uh, turn the lights on in the sanctuary. Let's kind of just have these smoke and mirrors services that don't do anything. That's not going to change the world. What changes the world is when they come into an atmosphere, they can feel there's something different about that atmosphere. When you preach, they can tell there's something different about your words. You know, you read about Jesus, for instance. It says that the people in the synagogues, when they saw him, their eyes, it says, were fixed on him. And they could tell that he was not like other men. That's what I want to be like. That's what Evangelist TJ is like. That's the anointing. People talk about the anointing all the time. That's the anointing. People can't take their eyes off of you. They can tell there's a look in your eye that's different. They can tell that you're not like everybody else. They can tell. It's a difference. You know, my generation, I'm 23. You know, they'll use terms like, man, the vibe is off in this room, bro. The vibe is off. I'll tell you what it is. It's a demonic spirit or it's a, it's a Holy Spirit. The vibes off. The vibes are weird, bro. The vibes are, it's not vibes, it's spiritual forces. And there are good ones and there are evil ones. And so as a church, as the body of Christ, we need to, we need to establish the presence that's sweet and holy and pure and just and truth, which is produced by the word, the spirit and the word. They agree with one another. 
They're in agreement. So you can't have one and not the other. They, they're a tag team. They're Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. They're Le LeBron James, Anthony Davis. For a more modern uh, combo, a tag team. Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy. I used to love watching WWE when I was a kid. You know, they're, they're a great tag team. They're a one-two punch. The word and the spirit. And so we can't get so spiritual and charismatic that we don't know the Bible. But in the same sense, we can't get so word-focused and stuff that we are resistant to the move of the Holy Ghost. We need both yeah. in, in unison to work together. And that's how people are changed. And so let's keep reading in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 21. He says again, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. But it, he clarifies it. He's not saying I lived in sin. He's saying um, not being outside the law of God, but under sure. the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. So he's, he said, I'm, I do this to win the lost that are outside the law. Verse 22, one of my favorite scriptures. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by any means or all means in the ESV, I might save some. Other translations would say, I became weak to reach the weak, that I might, what? Bring the weak to Christ, that they might not be weak anymore. So people only become strong when you bring them the word. People only become strong when you bring them the, them the word. They don't become strong because of a worship album. They don't become strong because of Bible and beer Tuesday. They don't become strong because of women and wine bibber Wednesdays. They don't become <laughs> they don't become strong because of children crack Thursday. They become strong by the mighty preaching of the word of God, bringing people to the feet of Christ. And so what does he mean? I became weak that I might reach some other trains would say I became all things unto all men. So, you know, my grandfather, a great preacher, used to say this. He said, you need to afflict the comfortable, but comfort the afflicted. So what does that mean? Like Jesus was. He was harsh on religious people, but he was kind and he was gracious to the sinful. Because he said what? He said, sick people need a doctor. Healthy people don't need a doctor. And so that's who Jesus was. That was his mission. And so that's how we win people to the Lord. And that's how they're changed. We bring them to Christ while they're weak. And then they won't be weak anymore. They'll be strong. Right. Amen. That's right. Yeah, and that's the purpose of the gospel. It's not to keep you comfortable in sin. It's to break the power of sin off people. You yeah. know, I want to read this scripture. Actually, it just came to my spirit. First John chapter 3, because I don't think people know this is in the Bible, but it is. Little children, 1 John 3, 7, let nobody deceive you. What does that tell you? There's going to be people that are going to set out on a mission to deceive you. Yes. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness, he who operates according to God's word, is righteous just as Jesus is righteous. Now, I mean, I need to cover this. I'm not saying you'll never make a mistake or you're never yeah. going to ever sin again in your entire life. I believe you can reach that point where you never sin again in your entire life. I really believe you can walk the path of perfection and keep to the highway of holiness. I really believe that. But what I am saying is if you fall off, if you momentarily slip, you can pick yourself back up and someone who's truly born again, this will be their reaction to sin. They pick themselves back up. They get straight back on. God, I'm sorry I did this. 
Grant me grace now to never do it again. Like Evangelist Preston said, grace is not a covering for sin. It's an empowerment to never to stop sinning. And so that's yes. the proper reaction. We're not saying that, oh my gosh, well, I, what if I, if I screwed up? I, man, I sinned yesterday. What am I going to do now? Am I going to help? No, you screwed up. You messed up. That's fine. Get back up. You rec- the very fact that you recognize that you screwed up means the Holy Ghost is convicting you and he's producing a godly yeah. sorrow that leads to salvation and repentance. So now what do you do? Repentance is I've, I've turned away from it. God, give me grace to never fall in that area again. When John here is talking about practicing righteousness, he's talking about people like that. He who yeah. sins is of the devil. When he talks about people who are sinning, or practice, if you study the actual uh, words there in the original language, it talks about people who are practicing a lifestyle of sin. People right. that are, are devoted to a sinful lifestyle, that are okay, happy rather, living in darkness rather than coming to the light. He who sins, who practices this lifestyle of sin, is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God, so that's you, that's me, and if it's not you, we're going to give you an invitation at the end of this broadcast to, to join the camp. Yeah. Whoever yeah. has been born of God does not sin, doesn't practice a lifestyle of sin. For his seed, God's seed, remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. What is his seed? His seed is the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. When you're born again, the seed of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God comes in you. That's why we talk about the regeneration of the human spirit. Jesus said you cannot be born again unless you are born again by water. The Word of God is water. And by spirit. So when you're born again by water and spirit, by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, there is now this deposit that God's put in you from heaven that puts in you a resistance against sin and an empowerment to not sin because you've been born of God. So I want to go through, now we've talked about, you know, we've, we've spent quite a, quite a lot of time talking about how um, holiness is a requirement, talking about how sinful living and the deceitfulness of sin is actually going to ramp up in the last days that the enemy is going to make sure that this doctrine gets into the church, doesn't matter how you live. How you live doesn't matter how you, you, you know, coordinate your lifestyle or whatever. You know, God is love. Amen. We've talked about how all that is garbage. But I want to talk about in coming to a conclusion on this broadcast. I want to talk about, and I've written down six rewards of holiness. Six things or blessings that the master key of holiness is going to unlock in your life. One, divine presence. The Bible says, who can abide in his holy tabernacle? Who can stay in God's presence? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Pardon. Clean hands and a pure heart. Oh, yes, the blood of Jesus did that for me. Yes, he did. We know, the Bible says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All men have sinned. We've all together become corrupt. However, the blood of Jesus has given us remission of sins. He's dealt with the sin problem. But now we have a responsibility to keep clean and keep pure by the spirit yeah. that he's made to dwell in us. John chapter 8, verses tw- verse 29, Jesus said, The Father has not left me. He is with me until now because I always do those things that please him. 
Yes. So Jesus said, the reason why the Father dwelleth in me and doeth the works that you see me do is because I always do those things that please God. Jesus lived a holy life. Number two, answered prayers. And you can, you can uh, interject at any time, uh, Evangelist Preston. Okay, yeah, I was, I, a scripture just came oh, in my yeah, spirit. I while you're... <laughs> um, 1 Peter 2, 16 and 17. The Bible says this. It says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And then verse 17, honor everyone. So again, I, we're not teaching be a jerk, people. We're not, we're not teaching, you know, treat uh, the, the saved people, the believers as like, oh, they're my brothers. I'm going to love them. I'm going to be kind to them. And then unsaved people go to people's funerals and, and have, you know, they went to hell. I mean, we've seen the Westboro Baptist Church and these kinds of people that are, that are cruel to people. We're not saying that. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the emperor. And so live as people who are free. Live as free people do, another translation would say. You know, we're not, we're not preaching that, you know, because some people preach holiness, I, I think, evangelist, TJ, in a way that's like binding and like super controlling and manipulative. And I got to obey all these things. I can't wear makeup. I can't wear pants as a woman. You know, it seems like all the rules are only for women, by the way. I don't know why that is. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been to those kind of churches. I, I don't attribute myself to them. Legalism. This is not a legalistic message. This is the Bible. You know what I mean? But you can love people, you can honor everyone, but fear God and live as free people do. So that was all I was going to share is that, that scripture. That's 1 Peter 2, 16 and 17, if you take notes. 1 Peter 2, 16 and 17. It just came into my spirit while you're yeah, talking. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful scripture. And uh, someone actually wrote in the comment section, Pop-Tart, what about, and, and Pop-Tart's a regular viewer, that's why I want to address it. What about when people say God loves the gay person that, but hates the sin, help me? It's it's a very good question. Pop-Tart, his birth name? Huh? Is Pop-Tart his birth name? It, it, yeah, it's actually, his, it's his stage name. <laughs> it's his first name, Every Blueberry? time I'm fasting and he comes on, I'm always like, goodness gracious. Then we have, we actually have Pop-Tart and Doritos. Wow. You're, you're reaching like different brands. Different brands. Of we're having a commercial revival and reaching ministry. I'm believing God anyway. for, uh, for general mills <laughs> to come in. <laughs> we, we need fruit loops next Amen. week to come on the Bron. Um, but that's a great question. What about, you know, what, what did it, let me read that again. What about when people say God loves the gay person, but hates the sin. I'll tell you something. God, God's love is accessible to everybody. God's love is universal in the sense that he so loved the whole world, it's available to everybody. The entrance to salvation is the gateway has been provided through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the true gate. Yes. However, when someone deliberately turns from holiness, hears the message of the gospel, flies the, middle, the, the bird to God and totally rejects it, the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. So they fall under a different category of people. Now that, that's not to say that the love of God is not accessible for that person. It's always there. The prodigal son's father was there ready to receive. But he wasn't going to receive his son while he was feasting on the pig's pods. 
The son had to first rise up, repent, because when he said, I came to my senses and I said, I will go back, that's what repentance is. It's coming to your senses and turning back to God. When that happened, that's when the, the father came and greeted the prodigal son and welcomed him back and gave him access to all the blessings that he had. So when we talk about like ministering to people that are, you know, homosexual or any, any other thing, God loves them in the sense that he wants them to turn to, to him in repentance and in faith. But he cannot see sin. He cannot behold sin. He cannot entertain sin. He cannot tolerate sin. They're disconnected, separate from God. They are, the Bible says they are children of wrath, children of God's wrath. He loves them in the sense that God demonstrated his love. He sent the act of love, Jesus Christ, to die a sinner's death while we were still in sin with the hopes that once one day they would turn to him. However, that love is accessible only through repentance and faith. So I hope that answers your question. I don't know, Press, Evangelist Preston, you want to add to that? And isn't it just like the devil that while you're talking about that, a nude dating site put their thing in the comments, their spam in the comments. Uh, can, you, can you believe the devil? It's like, of course, he's going to pop up on this broadcast about holiness. Uh, and as we're talking about it, we got naked HD photos commenting in the broadcast. Um, anyways, block party initiated. There you go. Um, he's gone. But yeah, I mean, that's a great answer. I think you covered it fully. So, All right. So let's go into number two on um, number two. Reward for holiness. Number two is answered prayers. And I covered this before. Isaiah 59. Your own iniquities have separated you from God. Therefore, he cannot save. And uh, Psalm 66, 18 says, If you had regarded iniquity or sin in your heart, the Lord would not hear you. Well, when you put sin away and you live holy, you have now an unhindered channel of prayer. Communication line towards heaven. And you can, Jesus said, What things soever you desire... You know, in John 15, 7, he says, if my word abides in you, meaning you're keeping my word, and you abide in me, you can ask whatever thing you desire, and it shall be given to you. You have an unhindered line of communication between you and the Father. You have, the Bible says, we can draw near with a true assurance of faith because our hearts have been cleansed yeah. from an evil conscience. Hallelujah. Right. Num it's like, um, if, like if you've ever been a child and you're, parents were upset with you about something, it's hard to look them in the eye. You know why? Because you did something you shouldn't have done. Mm. But when you, when you come to God with a pure heart and clean hands, you can ask things that are more bold, right? Because there's nothing holding you back from the Father's love or His grace. Why? Because you're living holy. And so we can, you know, Evangelist Kofi, many of them might know him. He wrote a book, Boldly I Come to the Throne of God when we pray. It's about prayer. You can't approach God's throne boldly if you're in sin. That's right. In prayer. You can't pray bold prayers if you're in sin. Because it would be insane to be like, well, I'm dealing with sin, but I'm going to ask God to give me $5 million next week. It's like, no, why would he? So you can use it for ungodly That's things. Right. When, you, when, you live, um, when you live a godly lifestyle and you live holy, your prayers will become so much more powerful. So much more powerful. You know why? Because now there's nothing separating you from what God wants to do. That's right. Why would God give you something precious if you're living in sin and then it gets wasted? That's right. 
because you're living sinfully and it's destroyed. Because you know why? Sin kills and destroys everything That's it touches. Right. Everything. A person, um, a marriage. You know, a person that is watching pornography, a husband, and their wife finds out and they get divorced or they cheat on their wife with a stripper at a motel or something. That destroys a marriage. Doesn't just destroy them, destroys everything it touches. Sin destroys. Put that in the comments. Sin destroys. That's right. But in the same manner, when we live holy, the master key, when we pray, it unlocks a different boldness to our request when we pray. So I'll just say that. Yeah. First John 3 says that uh, we have such boldness towards God if our hearts do not condemn us. And whatever things we ask of Him, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things which are pleasing in His sight. So because we keep His commandments and do those things pleasing in His sight... The Bible says we have such boldness or confidence before the God and Father. We can therefore come boldly into His throne of grace and mercy. Love that you said that. Number three, yeah. overflow of the anointing is reserved for those that live holy. Psalm 45 and 7 says, Because you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, and I think, and you covered it a bit, but I want to remind you, Holiness is not just loving what God loves, it's hating what God hates. And the Bible says when you love righteousness and hate lawlessness, God, yeah. even thy God, shall anoint thee with the oil of gladness above all your companions. Meaning you'll enjoy what David said, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. And remember the yes. anointing, is the answer. It's the solution for the bondage of the devil. Anything the devil's doing to you or your family can be solved by the anointing. The power of God breaks the oppression of the devil. No wonder Jesus, you know, Jesus who came full of grace and truth, Jesus who came, uh, the word of God, perfect, sinless, the lamb of God that was to be slain. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, speaking of Jesus, you know that Jesus Christ of Nazareth Went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was with him, and he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Yes. He enjoyed an, an overflow. His cup constantly running over. With the, that's why when people touched his garments, they got healed. He, had an, he didn't just have enough anointing for himself. He had an overflow of that anointing. That anyone that even touched him were made well. Paul enjoyed the same thing, handkerchiefs and aprons. The overflow literally got on his physical garments. And everywhere they brought handkerchiefs and aprons, no matter the sickness, no matter the demon, it was cast out and it was healed. And Paul was the one that said, be separate. Cleanse yourselves. Paul was the one that said, awake to righteousness and stop sinning. Paul was the one that said, I forget those things which are behind. I press towards perfection. Yes. No wonder he enjoyed that. Right. I mean, I would put this in the comments. Anything that God has asked me to do, he has empowered me That's to right. do. That's right. Anything that God has asked me to do, he can or will empower me to do. And how does he empower us? By his spirit. My phone just died, so I lost all comments, but it's fine. Um, anything that God asked me to do, he empowers me to do. God's not going to ask me to do something and then I can't accomplish it. That would be cruel. That would be cruel. Do this, but you're on your own, buddy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not by might and it's not by That's power, right. but it's by his spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. Even Jesus told the disciples who, who lived with him, traveled with him, 
for, for uh, three years. Saw every miracle, saw every message, heard every word. He said, wait, don't go into the world and do what I'm telling you to do. Tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be endued or enclosed with Come on. power. That's right. And that, what was that? That was Christ giving them an instruction to tarry where they were until Acts chapter 2, which was what? When the Holy Ghost fell at Pentecost in the upper room. And then that's when they were released into the world to preach. So you think of that. And then you also think Jesus himself, Jesus Christ, again, another an expert on the Christian faith, a, a great Christian, I'd say. <laughs> he didn't do one miracle until he was baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and he was full of power. And so if Jesus needed the Holy Ghost, how much more do we as the church need the Holy Ghost? Not just to do miracles. I'm not talking just about miracles. I'm talking about just living holy. You can't live holy apart from the Holy Spirit. What's the key attribute that we attribute to the Spirit of God? Holy. He is holy. Holiness. Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost. People just grow up in church and they don't understand like why we call him that. He's a spirit that's holy. And so guess what? We grieve the Holy Spirit by living sinfully. You can grieve the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because he's not an ethereal wind. He comes like a, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. But the Holy Spirit is a person. You can offend him. And that's why like you'll see preachers that they have it for a little bit. Like they're anointed. But then they fall into sin. And then you hear him preach again. And they don't carry what they used to carry. You know why? Because sin robbed it from them. They grieve the Holy Spirit. They grieve the Holy Spirit by an affair or whatever. I mean, I'll, I won't give you names, but there was a church in our area in Virginia Beach, in Virginia. They found the pastor. Uh, he got busted by a, a pedophilia ring. He was on Facebook. He was a part of a group of these guys that were interested in having sex with 13, 14, 15-year-old girls. Turns out it was a sting operation. Think of this, evangelist. It was a sting operation. And they waited for him to go to the hotel room in the city that they agreed to go to in the Facebook group. And then when he walked into the hotel room, he was immediately arrested. And then they put a whole story out about it. And then he preached the Sunday morning at his church two days later, a large church. People have no fear of God. I mean, I fear, I fear the Lord as a preacher, as a minister. I know not everyone that's watching this is a preacher or even called into ministry. But... You have to fear God. I mean, to have that happen on Friday, because it did. He got arrested on Friday. Then you get released on bail. And then two days later, you preach the Sunday morning. Yikes. Big yikes. There's going to be a price to pay for, for pastors and Christians that think they can mix with the things of the world and the things of God, and God doesn't care. He loves. How many know God loves that man? I don't know. We'll see. You know, if he repents and if he lives holy, otherwise he'll burn in hell because God doesn't let ped pedophiles into That's heaven. That's so, um, yeah. yeah and people <laughs> like we have to realize how much God hates sin and not just Old Testament God. Like he said before, God's the same. He's the same yesterday, today and forevermore. I'm the Lord, your God. Malachi 3, 6. I change not. So it's not like he's just, you know, we're rebranding ourselves. Uh, there's a new generation on cultures change. 
Uh, we're going to be less right. harsh, Holy Spirit, Jesus, uh, cool it down on the soul, iron scepter of righteousness and all that. We're going to put that aside for a bit, and we're just going to, we're going to rebrand ourselves. We're going to make ourselves more palatable for this. He's the same. And you see that in Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. What did Peter do? Hey, we're going to have a time of consecration at these altars. You just come on in and just we're take dead. a knee here. They just dropped dead. Acts chapter 13, bar Jesus, Elemis, the sorcerer, is trying to turn the proconsul Sergius Paulus, away from the words of faith that Paul was preaching. And what did Paul say? Elemis, we're going to keep you in prayer, okay? We know you're trying to stop the gospel from invading this region. And we just, Barnabas, would you just stretch out your hand towards Brother Elemis? And it's not what they did. He said, you full of all deceit, you son of the devil, you, this is direct quotation, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Behold, the hand of the Lord shall come on you. Everybody's praying for the hand of God. I want the hand of God on my life. Be careful. <laughs> because when the hand of God came on Elymas, it caused him to be blind for a time, not seeing the sign, the sun. And not to mention Hebrews chapter 10 says, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. It's an amazing thing to hand the hand of God on your life when you're living for Him. But when you're not living for Him, it's a fearful thing, he, the he, writer of Hebrews wrote, to fall in the hands of the living God. Yeah. A fearful thing. Man. Number four, and I love this one, is access to revelation. Reward for holiness. God will give you access to revelation. Mark chapter 4 and 11, Jesus said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. To you, it's been known, it's been given to, to have the mysteries of the word unraveled to you. Why is it important to have the mysteries of the word unraveled to you? Because faith begins where the will of God is known. It, faith cometh by hearing and understanding God's word. So if you don't understand God's word, because your eyes are hidden from the truth, and the Bible says it's through faith we subdue kingdoms, it's through faith we obtain promises. If you don't have revelation of the word, you're not going to have the faith required to obtain the promise. And so holiness positions your spirit in such a way to receive direct transmissions from the Holy Ghost who's been charged with a task to guide us into all truth. Job said this. He said, as it was in the days of my youth. And remember, Job was a man who eschewed evil and worked what was right. He lived holy. And he said, as it was in the days of my youth, when the secret of the Lord was revealed unto me. And look at what the secret of the Lord did for Job. Job was the greatest of all the men in the East. Because he had access to revelation in, the, in what, uh, access to revelation of God and, and the secrets of God, it empowered him to become the greatest of all the men in the East. The Bible says in Psalm 25, 14, that um, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear God. And the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 8, 11. So the secret of the Lord, the revelation of God's word is for those that hate evil and fear God. And God will show them his covenant. You'll never go beyond in life what you know from God's word. You'll never excel beyond the confines of your knowledge of God's word. Your knowledge of God's word, if belittle, will limit how far you can go in life. But that's why we take time to study, to show ourselves approved so that we have, we, we can keep on moving forward. Yes. Uh, as you're talking, 1 John 4, I mentioned it very early on in the broadcast, but I'll just read it, verse 1. Beloved, 
So John, the writer, is writing to people that he loves. This is love. First John 4 is love. If you want to know what love is, what true biblical love is, First John 4 is a great, great chapter. Whenever, like, if I'm preaching a youth camp or uh, something and a young person asks me, like, what is love? I said, read First John 4. That will help you very much. First John 4, 1. It says, beloved. So he loves these people that he's writing to. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit, the spirits, excuse me, lowercase s, to see whether they are from God. So what does that mean? Does that mean that every person that preaches isn't sent from God? Yeah. Not every person that preaches. Why do you think there's 12 churches on your street, but nothing happens? <laughs> Why do you think there's nine different churches you have to drive past to get to the actual church you want to get to, but America's in total sin. Canada's in total True. sin. True. You know why? Because not every person that preaches was sent by God. You got to test the spirits. He's not just talking about divination and like sorcerers and wizards and witches. He's talking about there will be people that will claim to serve God, that preach right. things that are doctrines of demons and devils. And the greasy grace message is a doctrine of the devil. You know why? Because the devil loves it. Because he understands the Bible better than they do. And he knows that if they believe and adhere to that message, they will burn in hell. Right. So guess right. what? The devil will promote that preacher. The devil will retweet that guy's preaching clip that's terrible. You know why? You know why these guys are so big? Many of them aren't big because God made them big. Many of them are big because the devil made them big because they're workers for his kingdom because they preach crap. Come on. Come on. Anyways. Continuing with our reading, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, verse 2, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does, hallelujah, I love the Word of God. Verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. You know, there was a minister, Evangelist TJ, in Africa, and he recently died. I won't say his name, but he died unexpectedly, and it was a strange occurrence. People were confused by it. He wasn't that old. He was in his 50s. And other preachers in Africa, and there's mighty, mighty men of God in Africa, David Oyadepo, Io Arista J4, great men of God. And uh, But this preacher dies, and the thing they'd always say about him was, we don't know where he came from. We don't know who his spiritual father is. When we ask him about it, he says, I, I came from nowhere. He'd operate in the, in the supernatural. He'd have, he'd have miracles even, this preacher, this, this person. But he dies unexpectedly, and it's confusing. And people are wondering what's going on. And uh, you think of this, that there are people that will preach. They'll even have miracles. I mean, you were mentioning it about uh, Tony Robbins, how he'll have like, um, before we were, went on live and stuff, but he'll have uh, people that will cry when he when he speaks to them. He's not a gospel preacher. Yeah, he'll have there like are, like a counterfeit word of knowledge. Right. And in the same way, there are people that will claim to be uh, pastors and preachers and evangelists that have miracles and stuff, but it's not by God's power. It's by a false counterfeit power that comes from the devil. And so, well, that guy has miracles. He knows what's going on. Listen, test the spirits. Test it. It, it. Does this feel right? You should have something in your spirit called discernment. Discernment, the Bible mm -hmm. teaches. Discerning of spirits. <laughs> Be able to tell what's a good thing and what's an evil thing. And so what we have in the church, I'm just being completely honest, my heart. 
We have a lot of pastors, a lot of musicians, a lot of groups, a lot of people that claim to serve God, but God will never acknowledge them before the Father. Jesus won't acknowledge them before the Father. They'll get to heaven. I mean, how do you interpret that scripture? That one day there'll be people that say, what do you mean? We did signs and wonders in your name. We, did, we preached, blah, blah, blah. We did all these things. But he says, no, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. That's not in the Bible. It's in the Bible. There will be people that claim to serve God, claim to do the work of God, and they'll go to hell because they're not operating by the power of holiness and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is holiness. That's right. And so test the spirits. And so it says, by this, you know, the spirit of God. Every, oh, I, I lost what I was going to say. That preacher in Africa that died unexpectedly, he was challenged by I.O. Rishi J4 one time. He said, I want you to acknowledge out of your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want you to just, just say out of your mouth, just say this, just say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And he said he refused to say it. Weird. And then you wonder why he dies unexpectedly. And it's just strange. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you, be careful. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you're watching on YouTube. Be, just because they're a preacher, just because they have a microphone and a cool platform and they have all the stuff, doesn't mean they're from God. You hear I me? I love what Rodney Hard Brown says. Say Rodney Hard Brown says, some are sent, some bought a microphone and went. <laughs> right. And some were sent by the devil. That's right. Some send themselves, some are sent by God, others are sent by the devil. And so test the spirits. Have discerning. You know, I knew Maverick City music was no good three years ago <laughs> and, took, and took crap for it. Man, what do you mean? Their, their music's powerful, bro. Uh, well, listen, test the spirits. Because when Roe v. Wade gets overturned and they're silent and they got members in their band that are posting that my body, my choice, pro-choice crap, I can't believe they did this. Discern the spirit, bro. Discern it. Have discerning of spirits. Well, they sing good songs. I feel the anointing on some of their songs. I, I felt the anointing on some of their songs. A lot of their songs are good. But listen, we got we to gotta be able to tell who's for God and who's playing church or mixing with God and, and the mm -hmm. world. You know, when you have, when P. Diddy feels comfortable performing with you, there might be an issue. Anyways, let's continue with our reading. Um... <laughs> Verse four, verse four, little children, you are from God. You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, one of my favorite scriptures, very popular, famous scripture. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they speak. I love the Bible, Evangelist TJ. They are from the world. Therefore, what they speak from the world and the world listens to them. Well, why are they popular? Why they why why they got big churches? They sold ten thousand tickets at Unity Together Conference this year. They're doing something, mm -hmm. bro. They're it's the That's world. Good. It's the world. They speak of the world, so guess what? The world will listen. But I'm not interested in building a remnant. I'm not interested, excuse me, in building a big mass audience that will go to hell. I'm interested in evangelist TJ's interested in building disciples by the word. That will shake this right. earth with the power of God before Jesus returns. That's right. Actually, this is perfect because the next point I want you I want you to do this one. Um, the, the fifth reward of holiness, or how it holiness positions you in such a way uh, for God to use you 
And point number five would be God can use you when you live holy. And I want you to cover that because you were just about to lean into that. Yeah. Okay, verse 6, 1 John 4. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Well, that's, there's, that seems kind of selfish. You know, that, that seems kind of like I'm the best. I'm not saying I'm the best. I'm saying I'm a servant of God and God is the best. God's word is true. God's ways, the Bible says, are higher than my ways, our ways. His thoughts are higher than our ways as the heavens are higher than the earth. And so uh, uh, the job of the preacher is not to express his opinion on a, on a topic or a subject. His job is to consume his life with his word and study and preaching and prayer and fasting. Get a word from the Lord, not his opinion, not his thoughts, not his uh, propaganda, not his bias. No. The Word of God preached in excellence and authenticity and in its entirety and accurately. That's the preacher. That's what God's going to raise up in this final hour. And so we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. Mm. That's selfish, bro. That's so Okay. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Are you telling me that there's an error spirit? Yeah. There are people that operate in a spirit of error. Then they make missteps. They're they're not in God's grace. They're not in God's righteousness and right standing. You know, that's what righteousness is. Righteousness is right standing with God. And how do you have right standing with God? By doing everything according to his word. That's why Isaiah said, you know, he said, or the Lord, excuse me, told Isaiah, and it's recorded in Isaiah. He said, he said this, present your case to me. And let us reason with one another. Present your case to me. You know, that's what a preacher's like. A preacher is like a lawyer in a courtroom, and God's the judge, and they're giving a dissertation, a speech about why things belong to the child of God. When I pray, I pray according to his word. You know why? Because God will always agree with his word. He said this also in Isaiah. He said, remind me of what I've spoken. Do you think God has amnesia? Do you think God forgets his word? No. God never forgets one word that he's, that he's spoken, but he asks us to remind him of his word when we pray. You know why? Package. It's our benefits package. Oh, Lord, if it be thy will, you can heal my body. It is his will. You know why it's his will? Because we see it recorded in his word. Time after time, person after person, bring the sick unto me. Bring the lame, bring the blind, bring the hurting, bring the broken. And they won't be blind. They won't be broken. They won't be hurting. After I get through with them because the power of God rests on me. That's Jesus. It's the life of Jesus. The ministry of Christ. And so present your case to God in prayer. And you can only present a case to God in prayer that's powerful and holy if you live holy. Amen. Verse 7. Beloved. Again, he loves these people. This is not hateful. This is not hate speech. This is love speech. 1 John 4 verse 7. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So guess what? Anyone who has not been born of God or does not know God cannot love the way the Bible says that we must love. Well, love is love. And I saw that. I posted that on my story. Love is love. You know, it's that saying that the LGBTQ plus groups use. Love is love. Whether it's a man or a giraffe or three kids or three women, love is love. No, it's not. If love is love, water's water. Why don't you drink out of your toilet and tell me water's water? <laughs> That's good. Think of it. 
Why don't you go to, uh, I don't know, the ocean. <laughs> I like that. Go to the ocean. Go to the ocean and get a big <laughs> thing of, uh, of water from the ocean and drink it every day and see how well you turn out. Oh, water's water, bro. Love is love. Water's water. No, it's not. Water that's been, hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost. Water that's been purified is good for me. That's what water is that I drink anyway or I bathe myself with. Purified water. Love is love. You got your love in the wrong place. Shouldn't be lusting after a dude's, I can't even, whatever. <laughs> you know, love for a man is love of one woman in a marriage context, and you don't love her fully until you put a ring on her finger. That's love. That's holiness. Love is love. Okay, genius. You don't think. Anyways, continuing with our reading. Verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. <laughs> I love preaching. Verse 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. Okay, so here's what I was talking about in um, the beginning. Well, explain John 3.16, preacher. God so loved the world. He loves the world. He loves everybody. He loves everybody the same. No? In this God expressed love. Verse 9 of 1 John 4. In this the love of God was made manifest. This is how he showed love. That God sent his only son into the world. So that we might live through him. That's how God expresses love. That's how God gave love. That's how God showed how he loved people. He gave Jesus. The greatest gift anyone's ever given. The seed of the word of God, which was Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Man, I love the gospel. Not that we have loved God. Hallelujah. Not, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. The purest love. There is no greater love than this, that for a man to lay down his life for his friends. That's Jesus. Hallelujah. That's Jesus. This Jesus. Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Can't read. Sorry, tears in my eyes. That he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beloved, verse 11, if God so loved us, we also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Praise God. In 2 Timothy, it says that if we can purge ourselves from these things, You'll be a vessel for honor. That's what Evangelist Preston I know is 100% about and I am 100% about. I want to be a vessel for honor. I want to make a mark in my generation. I want to I leave this earth if Jesus should tarry. I want this earth to be different from the moment I was born to the time I, I, I departed to be with Jesus. I don't want things to just continue on. You know, people think that Whatever will happen, will happen, and God doesn't need you to do his plans. No, God needs people. The Bible's very clear. I sought for a man who is loyal to my purpose that I might show myself strong on his behalf. 
My eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole entire earth. God is looking for people. And what kind of people is he looking for? 2 Timothy 2, Paul tells Timothy, those who have purged themselves from these things. And that tells you something. It's not just God doing the purging. It's you doing it. You're cooperating with the Spirit. I'm taking this out. I'm, I'm, I'm ridding my life from these things because I'm going to present myself to God as a vessel for honorable use so that his Spirit can flow freely through me. So his miracle miracle working power can flow freely through me so that God can get his job done on the earth. God doesn't work apart from me. God works through me. And it's the junk of the flesh. You know, Paul said, we have this treasure in this earthen vessel. And it's the earthen vessel that prohibits the treasure from, from manifesting the fullness of his power. But when you subdue the flesh to the desires of the spirit and you walk in holiness... The earthen vessel, the, the treasure, sorry, the power of God on the inside of you can manifest itself through you in such a way that men will see the good works and glorify God in heaven. That's what I want. That's my heart. That's, that's, I mean, that's a reward for holiness and it's a motivation for holiness. I don't want to be an ordinary preacher. I don't want to be the guy that gets up says a few thoughts and sits down and dismisses the audience and, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Be careful. Highway 35 is closed on its way. I don't want to be that type of preacher. I want to be the one that when I get up and speak like Jesus, there was gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. The literal translation is words loaded, supercharged with grace, with healing power. I want to be like Paul who said, I didn't come with superiority of human wisdom. I didn't come with a great Shakespearean speech. I came in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. And that's going to happen when you, like the Bible admonishes us, flee youthful passions, flee youthful lust, and pursue righteousness, faith, and joy, and love with those who call upon the name of the Lord from a pure heart. That's important. With those who call upon the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Make sure you surround yourselves with people who are like-minded. If you hang around chickens, you'll end up in chicken soup. If you hang around lions, you'll roar. If you hang around people that are intent on going in the direction of sin, you're going to live a vicious, cyclical lifestyle of falling into sin, needing help out, falling back into the same sin, needing help out, constantly going from ditch to ditch when God's called you to go from glory to glory. Hang around people that call upon the name of the Lord from a pure heart, that are fleeing youthful passions and pursuing righteousness, pursuing evil companionship, the Bible says, corrupts good people, good morals. Who you hang around, who you surround yourself matters because it'll determine your future. They say this in Forbes magazine. Give me the five closest friends you have and I'll show you how much income you, have, you, you get every year, what your cash flow is. Why? Because even in the financial realm, it, it, that, that law stands, that your closest associations are going to actually set the pace for how far you go financially. Well, if it's true in financial things, how much more true in things pertaining to holiness? And I want to remind you, and Pres Evangelist Preston mentioned it, he said, it's the Holy Ghost that gives you power to do it. Second uh, Peter 1, 3, it says, as His divine power has given us power to do all things that pertain to our life, and godliness. You know what godliness means in the original? God-likeness. Being like God. Being like God in holiness, in character, in purity, in truth. And the Bible says His divine power has been given to us to be like God in holiness. 
absolutely. I'm, I mean, uh, yeah, and uh, I read this. This is not like a Christian thing per, per se, like completely, but I was reading um, this psychologist was writing about people that come to AA meetings, people that are recovering from alcoholism. And she said, one of the things that we teach our people when we're, people are recovering alcoholics is we teach them to say, don't say that you're a recovering That's alcoholic. Right. That's right. Don't, don't tell people that you're recovering from the addiction of alcohol. Tell people that you're used to be an alcoholic, but you are no longer. And that there's something that happens when people begin to teach that kind of thing. And they don't, that psychologist woman didn't even understand that's a biblical uh, principle. Why? Because Proverbs 18.21, it says this. It says in the ESV, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. And so from this cast, when we pray at the end, don't be saved by grace. No, you were. You were once a sinner. You were once alienated from Christ. But now, by Hebrew says, by the blood, you have been brought near to God. Right. And so you right. confess that instead. I used to be a sinner, but no longer. I'm a joint heir with Christ oh, Jesus. No. I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. I am a son of God. Everything that Christ established and won for me belongs to me by covenant right. Because we have the same father. Me and Jesus have the same father. Mm. Hallelujah. I live in the same house. All the privileges that are afforded to Christ have been afforded to me oh, by his God. love. Powerful. Very it's powerful. powerful. Well, our family, we don't have nice things. Maybe they used to not have nice things. Now that's changing. You know why? Because of confession. You know, I did a podcast two days ago, and that was what it was about. How to guard what God gives you, the power of positive confession and righteous living. Those mm -hmm. two things. You got to work them together. We've been dealing with righteous living on this broadcast, but then combine that with positive confession. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. I think you may have even mentioned it earlier on. But you got to combine the two. You're not a sinner anymore. Once you pray the prayer that we're going to pray at the end, that day has died. That person's dead. That's right. You know, people teach. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to say who it was, but I heard a preacher say, come to God. He'll unlock your full potential. Come to God. He'll complete you. Come to God. He'll make you. He'll like upgrade you, whatever. Unlock. It's like he, you're a Tesla. And when you come to God, he unlocks features that you have to buy separately or something. Um, that's not it. It's not it. No, you die. Death. Jesus died and I'm dead with him. That's right. My, my sinful man died with Christ, but praise be to God by his resurrection power. He brought me back to life. And now like Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ it's who lives on the inside of me. Hallelujah. Who's Christ? The word, the word lives in me. I'm not a zombie anymore. People that are in sin and death are zombies, and we shouldn't care what they think. I wouldn't go to a graveyard after I get dressed up and ask the dead people in the graveyard what they think about what I'm wearing. Would I? Why? Because they're dead. Their opinions don't matter. They can't even give an opinion. They're dead. Where does the Bible say that? It says those that are in sin are dead in their trespasses and in their sins. And so we're alive. Hallelujah. We're alive by the power of Almighty God. 
We're alive by the word that lives on the inside of every one of us. We're alive by the fire of the Holy Ghost. We're alive. And we can carry that message of life to those that are dying and dead. Hallelujah. But it's only going to come to the believer if you establish those two truths. The, po the power of positive confession and righteous living. Another tag team, mighty tag team, the word and the spirit. Again, those are the, that is the word and the spirit. Now that I think of it, the revelation of that just came to me. The spirit and the word. The spirit would be the Holy Spirit. And the word would be the truth, which is po the power of positive confession, Proverbs 18, 21, which is what? The word. Mm -hmm. So they're the same thing, actually, now that I think about it. The spirit and the word together, positive confession and righteous living. Because you can't be righteous or holy without the Holy Spirit. And you can't confess life without the power of the word of God being the thing that you confess. That's right. So those two things will help you tremendously. And we're going to pray in just a few moments. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll finish number six before we move on to praying. But I want you to pray for them and hold on to this broadcast because we're going to pray in a couple of seconds. But number six, reward that holiness will bring you is never ending increase. And as the days of the Lord, the day of the Lord approaches, the Bible says in Malachi chapter four that the days are coming burning like an oven and that things are going to get tough on the earth for those out of covenant relationship with God. But the scripture says in that day, a book has been written, those who fear God and always talk about his name. And the scripture says, you will again discern on the earth. So this is not talking about heaven. This is talking about on the earth. You will again discern in the days, burning like an oven, the end days, between those who serve me and those who serve me not. Between those who live holy and those who don't live holy. Between those that live godly and those who, who live ungodly. You'll be able to discern. You'll be able to know who's who. And the Bible says that I will cause them to shine as my jewels on the earth. Praise God. Malachi 4 says, Indeed the days are burning hot like an oven, and they that do wickedly will be burnt like stubble. Things will get harder and harder. There will be a casting down for many. But unto you that fear my name, says the Lord, you will shine as stars. And the Bible says, you will rise with healing in your wings. Mm. And that's the day we're in right now. And that's the, the, the sixth reward. There's all kinds of other rewards, but I'm finishing off by saying that's the sixth reward for living a holy life is that no matter how hard things get on the earth for the world, it will be minus you. You're not like everybody else. You don't have to live like everybody else. You've been sure. born again, born from above. You can live holy and godly and soberly in this present age because God has redeemed you from every lawless deed. And when you do that, Deuteronomy 28 proves true for you. If you'll diligently hearken unto my voice, all these blessings, things that heathens chase after, things that heathens, peace, joy, not only the spiritual ones, but even the material ones, financial uh, growth, financial increase, all those things that people burn themselves out trying to acquire, God said, if you'll diligently hearken unto me, no matter what economic disasters hitting the earth, no matter what is happening in the families of the earth, no matter what 
Carl Schwab and the WEF have planned for your generation. I'm going to bless you. All these blessings will come upon you. Blessed will you be in the city. Blessed will you be in the country. Blessed will you be in your coming in. Blessed will you be when you go out. Blessed are you in the field. Your kneading bowl will be blessed. The enemy that rises up against you, he'll be defeated before your face. He'll come up one way, but I'll cause him to be scattered seven ways. And just like Evangelist Preston said, God's delivered you from Egypt, but he's going to drown the Egyptians. And there will be a distinction between those that serve God and those that serve him not and the world will know that you're a servant of Jesus Christ and they won't have to wonder they won't have to look for the cross on your neck they will visibly see like Deuteronomy 28 says then they shall see that you are a people called by my name they shall fear God because of it that's what's happened a line has been drawn in the sand now I'm here to ask you today the line's been drawn which side do you want which side are you on the Bible says there is a way that is broad that leads unto destruction and many are they that follow after it because it looks nice and easy. Jesus said, I've come to bring you a new way. It's narrow. The Bible says that difficult is the way and there are few that find it. But once you find it, it leads to life. Jesus said, if you desire to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospel's sake, and you'll abandon the world and surrender everything to God. He says you'll actually find life. And not the life that the world says, oh, this is life. I'm talking about eternal life. And eternal life is not just living forever. Eternal life is the very life of God. The very breath that brought life into Adam that first time, God wants to breathe on you. If you're watching right now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior as we've said it before, there's a real heaven to gain and there's a real hell to shun. Hell is real. Heaven is real. Eternity's too long. Time is too short to be playing games and gambling your salvation. Get right with Jesus today. Make Settle your account in heaven. The blood of Jesus was shed for you. He said, come, you that are red like crimson, you're all stained up by sin. Come, I'll make you white as snow. If that's you and you've never given your life to Jesus, I need you to do that right now. If you have given your life to Jesus, but you've fallen astray, you're not living quite like you should. Maybe it was a divorce, loss of a loved one, a tragedy, loss of a job. Maybe it's the last three years on earth have been hell on earth for you, and you thought God abandoned you, and you've gone astray. You don't remember the last time you went to church, and you're messed up, and you feel the weight of sin on your soul again, and you want to recommit. Come back to Jesus today and say, Lord, like the prodigal son, I'm going to return, and I'm offering myself back to you. Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. He'll do it for you, here and now. You don't have to jump through hoops. Just come, to, the Bible says, come to me all that are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. If you fall under those two categories, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now and right here. Pray this out loud, not as though God hears, but because God hears you when you pray this prayer. Say, Father, Father in Jesus' name, Jesus name I, believe I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. You raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess. And I confess. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Come live in me. Come live in me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Where I was weak, make me strong. Where I was weak, make me strong. I'll never be the same again. I'll never be the same again. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. Heaven is my home. Heaven is my home. God is my father. God is my father. Jesus is my Lord. And Jesus is my Lord. And I'm never turning back. And I'm never turning back. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, 
and, and Evangelist Preston, I would love for you to come to my website, salvationnow.ca. Go visit that page. If someone in the comments can put salvationnow.ca, click that link. There's a first link that pops up on the main pages. I just got saved. I want you to click that, fill out the information. I want to send you a package free of charge, totally free. I pay shipping and handling, and I guarantee you will never receive any mail from me asking for money, asking for anything. This is just a, a, a package that I've prepared for you specifically so that you can have some material, a Bible, and some books by Brother T.L. Osborne that are going to really help you in this newfound walk with Jesus Christ and this adventure, really, which you've embarked on. And uh, it's going to help you a lot. going to give you a Bible and resources that will build your faith and add to your faith. So if you'll go on my website, salvationnow.ca. Thank you, AJ, for writing that. And uh, the first link, I just got saved. Click it. Fill it out. I want to get some stuff to you free of charge as a way of saying welcome to the family of God. God bless you. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji. Or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca God bless you and until next time.